Okay. <clears throat> Hi, and welcome to episode 29 of Life with Catherine. Today's guest is Neil Bennett. Neil and I went to school together as kids and teenagers, and our families were friends, so our lives kept cross crossing paths. He's now an actor and author in Toronto, so welcome to the show, Neil. Thank you very much, Catherine. It's <laughs> nice to be here, and uh, it's been a while since we've chatted, so. No joke, it's, it's like a, a full lifetime. Yeah, I would imagine it probably has been, because it's been, I'm trying to think, probably last time would have been when I was going to BCIT out in Burnaby. Yeah, that's amazing. That would have been, uh, been a few years ago. And I just met my husband, Brian, at the time. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah, like completely. Yeah. It's it's just trippy. It's really awesome to talk to you. Yeah, no, this is cool. This <laughs> is pretty cool that you're doing this, too. This is, uh, you know, it's it's neat, isn't it? It's really it? cool. I really am. Yeah. It's really funny because I'm a really, really big fan of podcasts and like I listen to them all the time. And then someone mentioned to me, you should do one. And I was like, well, I don't know any interesting people. <laughs> that's rude. <laughs> but it's funny. The first, that's the first, it, it, that's automatic to think that's the first thing you, but the funny thing is it doesn't matter where you look or you could throw a stone and hit 10 different interesting people because we all are in some different way, right? We are, and people yeah. have such interesting stories to tell and lives and paths and the different things they've learned along the way. Yeah. And like me, I usually learn the hard way. <laughs> so why don't you take us back to BCIT? You're studying there, you're doing broadcasting. Yeah, so I went... It was Cow High, Malaspina, and then I went over to uh, BCIT out in Burnaby uh, to do radio broadcasting. And, you know, that was, it was fun, but I wasn't, I wasn't digging it. Um, second year, I was ready to, to pack up and go home and start working at the pulp mill. Um, but, you know, as parents are, they... <laughs> they talk you through it and um i went back and what ended up happening was there was um tsm sports network had a um an internship program and so i think i found out through i want to say i found out about it through brandon because brandon would have been right into it with his sports and everything and so i just said you know what let me try applying and i applied and um my resume and my submission ended up on the desk of uh, the producer um, of Off the Record at the time. And this would have been back in 97, probably about November of 97, November, December of 97. And Off the Record had just started in September of 97. And um, so he liked my submission and um, they were coming out to Vancouver because TSN had just opened a Vancouver branch at the time around probably the summer of 97. And so Off the Record was coming out just to kind of promote OTR and also build up the Vancouver a little bit more. And so I had a chance to go in and, and work with them and meet Michael and meet Brian, who was the producer. And I think I met Bob. Yeah, Bob was out there, Bob Mackwitz, who was the writer at the time. And I got along with them all. Um, and so then I got a phone call. I remember being home at Christmas time. It was probably just after Christmas. Um, it was from Brian, who's the producer, asking me to if I wanted to come out and do a four-month internship in Toronto. And 
um, it was a no-brainer. It really was. It was, um, yeah, it was pretty exciting. The hard part about it was the radio. It was I was going into TV and I was in doing radio at BCIT, and I had to as of January, so like January, the first week of January, I had to be out in Toronto, and so I meant I had to leave school. So I went back to school and I told them what was going on, and they were okay with it, but they still wanted me to do. Um, I remember this. They still wanted me to do like two or three projects. <laughs> so I just got an internship while going to school for radio broadcasting at the biggest uh, sports television market show, whatever. You know what I mean? And they, still, I didn't tell, <laughs> and they want you, know, you to do your homework. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like, and they still want me to go out and do three radio projects, and I was just like, yeah, okay, I'll do that, and that was it. I just. I learned more in the first two weeks of working at TSN and, and having to basically sink or swim than I did in, in, in radio. And um, that's what got me to Toronto. That was winter of 98, January of 98. I moved out here. My sister was here. She was finishing up. Jacqueline was finishing up her arts program at um, Ryerson. And so I was able to rent a room from one of her friend's mom and then from there and then it just rolled into somebody got let go off the records I was there I did my time I did a stint on uh, the World Cup 98 and then that was my first paid job and then um, yeah and then I rolled into full time at off the record and did that for three years and it was just uh, <coughs> it just a weird way of just no, it was never ever something I had ever thought about going into. Um, but it just... It was a confluence of events that all, you were ready, you were prepared, they needed somebody. Yeah. The universe yeah, just, just kind of... <laughs> and um, and a little bit of... Um, I don't luck, but a little bit of... There was, a, you know just a little bit of that as well, just kind of right timing and things. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's what it was for that to, to end up out there. And it was a trip. I mean, you know, I can look back. I don't often, I look back and, and, and remember things. I'm not the best person at doing that kind of stuff, but yeah. it's funny just sitting here now. I can remember sitting in, sitting in the green room with some of the, the stars we had on it was just amazing. Like, um, I remember right now, like just sitting down, Henry Rollins from Black Flag and from the Rollins band, a unique personality, unique story, and he came in early, and we just you're just sitting in the green room with him, and he's just talking, just talking. Um, you know, having to take uh, uh, the lead singer of Judas Priest out for a cigarette. Like, that you sounds know, exactly like out. you. <laughs> you're sitting out in the front thing, and you're I can't think I can't remember his name right now, but it was. You know, just those little things of having to run across the street and get some uh, some of the wrestlers we had on, just get them some some bunch of chicken breasts, you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. So it Nothing. was it was very it was a it was a very cool period. And it was a it was a good time too because I was uh, I was I think I allowed myself to enjoy it because I was younger. You know, I wasn't and I wasn't younger, but I also wasn't wasn't what I was looking to do with my life because I didn't know what I was. 
So you were just like, you weren't completely myopic on, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. It was like, you know what, I'm, I'm here for the ride. Yeah, exactly what it was. And it was just a matter of just trying to just find what every day was. And, and that's where we were. Well, that's what I did that for three years. So it was pretty cool. And I'm part of what I'm doing with this podcast is kind of talking to the next generation about how you can do that. You can be just open and along for the ride, but there's still an element of seriousness and responsibility oh, and professionalism and that oh, yeah. there's there's a it goes hand in hand together that you don't have to hold on so tight but when you're on for the ride you still have to put in the work and you still have to open the doors for yourself oh yeah yeah no we we um we worked hard on that show we um we made it we made it one of the must-see tv shows on tsn for a good long period of time we found the we found what made the show money, and then at that time it was the, it was the wrestling, and we we found that um, it was just a big industry. It was what people wanted. They wanted to see a backstage, and we off the record was really was a pioneer of getting that back back behind the curtain kind of thing for that industry, and that was unheard of. And then we just really got in there with it, and we knew that was our ratings. We knew it was that and good looking girls. I mean, yeah. But that's 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 what it was. But the wrestling, geez, that just that just blew up blew up like it was huge for us. The numbers we pulled in for a six o'clock, three o'clock, six o'clock on the east, three p.m. on the west. There wasn't there wasn't too many other shows that were running at that time that could that were beating up, like getting those numbers. I mean, it was it, it was a place where people were coming to see, and it was pretty hot for. I mean, the show I think itself did eleven years. Really? Which in Canadian television is really at a six o'clock time slot for a sports show that, you know, in some days we're stretching for material really is a, is a, a, a test to, to the people that work there that went right from the start all the way to the end and also to Michael, who was um, one of the nicest people I've ever met to and to work with, Michael Lansberg. So... I still remember meeting him for the first time and he introduced himself as my, like he came up to me and goes, hi, I'm Michael Lansberg. It's like, yeah, I, I know who you are. The one thing that with Michael was that, and this is one thing I definitely took from him was he never assumed people knew him. Hmm. Even though he'd been on the air since I think 86 or something, or 80, whenever TSN started, he was original. He never assumed anybody knew him. There was and no that percentage. was something I always... So whenever I I try my best, whenever I meet people, I take that and I, I make sure I introduce my, myself to the full name. And that's not because that's just something I've taken from him that I just remember yeah. fondly of him. But yeah, we worked our we were young guys and we we worked we worked hard and it was it was a slog like trying to get three guests sometimes that wanted that you were going to knew people were going to tune in to see or trying to get it was a slog. There was about four of us that worked. We worked our butts off on that show. I believe but, that. Good experience, yeah. That's amazing. So, when did you get into stage, uh, TV, all those things? Where Where did that come about? Were you doing it at the time as well? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, even so, even just it became something in my life seven years ago. Did you already um, know so Leslie? 40, yeah, so forty-two now, and whatever minus seven is uh, what's that, thirty-five or something. Um, Let's pretend we're both 20. <laughs> yeah. uh, my gray hair doesn't help with that. I, I know, uh, mine either. <laughs> so 
so I was, uh, I, ne- I never, um, so I took a, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, I took a, the Landmark Forum, and um, my wife had done a few of the programs at the time, and was really, um, really wanted me to do it, and I was very much, no, I don't want to do this, and um, so, you know, uh, being the smart husband, I did it, <laughs> and um it was a really, it's a three-day intense course, and um, I got a few things out of it. And one of the things I got out of it was this experience of um, of just seeing this theater in front of me. And so I went home that night, and Leslie said, "What?" My wife Leslie said, uh, "What do you think it means?" I said, "I have no idea what it means." Um, she said, "Well, you know, maybe it means." take an acting course or something. And so I thought, okay. So then I went online and I found a George Brown acting course that started in about two weeks, I think from that night. And so I signed up and went the first night. And I think I was okay with it. I don't really remember. And then the second week came along. So this is continuing education at George Brown college yeah. acting one second week came along and I was in quotations sick. Um, the third week comes along and I didn't want to go. And I don't, I think it's, there's a, sometimes a lot, especially with continuing education, I find that it's easy not to go to things. And especially if there's no, um, A, B or C or like grading or anything, this was just a, to go to that thing. And again, Leslie talked me through it. Um, Oh, I like her already. <laughs> and I went and I did the piece that was supposed to be done two weeks before, which was a memorization of your favorite song. And you have to get up in front of the class and recite it. And then you're pushed past limits. And that was it for me once I was able to do that. So I was able to, there, there was a fear of, of being judged, a fear of being, and what I realized was in the classroom, I wasn't the only person feeling that way. And I was the only person I was only through. So once I was able to get that over, and I got up and did it. I just extremely loved it. Uh, and from there on, the next eight weeks were a joy. You had to do a final monologue, and I just threw myself right into it. Um, and so then the that would have been April, May through May. And then so September was acting two, and that's where they put you in a scene. You learn scene study. Um, and so I did that with a partner, and she was right into it. So we both got right into it. So it was very, it was very cool. And then at the end, you do a, a scene together. <clears throat> the class does, and guests come. So at that point, you've got people outside of your little classroom. So now you're really putting it out there. And so it was really, you know, different for me because it's not. It wasn't. It was never something I did through um, elementary or high school or college yeah. or anything like that. Or I found it and I went and did community. I didn't do any of that. So for 35 years, it was never really. I mean, my sister being a professional dancer ballerina and all that but it never was something I did I didn't put on skits at home I didn't sit and study film I didn't read plays I didn't I mean even to this day to sit down and read a Shakespeare is still very very difficult and I try but it just wasn't my study but I don't it's funny because I was like I don't remember him being any of those things but he did always have very good people skills and communication and networking skills yeah. That are one very important piece to that. Very much so. Yeah. Okay, keep going. 
the listening is yeah you're right the listening um and so then september the semester ends and that rolls into january and i'm not going to throw years out there because i just can't <laughs> think of what they were but whatever seven years was from there so 2009 yeah 2009 and so then i got a call uh, from with the guy that had taken over for the other teacher his name's alan become a very good friend of mine and he needed help with acting one and and i was like i just finished like what can i teach these these guys coming through and they're not all kids there's some adults like myself yeah. and there are some kids and then there's some second language people that come through just to kind of get over a little bit of fear and so i went in and helped them and it was a great um a huge help for me because i was able to to actually turn around and teach and give some of the stuff I had learned and it allowed me to see things that I hadn't seen or see things a little clearer. So that was very helpful. And so I did that for a couple of semesters with them and then unsure of what I wanted, how I was going to, like, you're all of a sudden you're thrown out to the wolves of trying to figure out what you got to do. So you got to go out and get headshots. You got to put some kind of resume together. And if you've done nothing, there's nothing to put on your resume. Uh, there was then, I think I found a theater Ontario is a really good site for, um, auditions and everything that's coming up with community theater in Toronto. And so that's where I started. And I put a, uh, there was a red audition came up for Eastside players doing uh, Mary Stewart. And they needed a big cast. So I threw my resume headshot out and went in auditions. Um, the uh, funny thing about it was the audition was in a church basement. And this was kind of the thing I saw back when I did the landmark part of the thing. Um, got a call back went and did that and then got a call saying they wanted me to come in and, and play one of the accounts and a couple other smaller parts. So I said, yeah. Um, and at the time of that, I was also training for a half Ironman. Now that to... sounds exactly like you. <laughs> so it was, uh, <clears throat> so that, that took me there and then it just, it went from there to a friend I made, Wilson, um, friend I made through Mary Stewart, because community theater, it can be almost three months of your life. You do almost two and a half months of, of, of rehearsals, maybe three, four times a week, and then you do up to two weeks of shows. It's It, it can be quite, especially with these side players who are a fantastic little um, community theater, but a lot of them, they, they it's quite intense. Like, you know, you, you got to be able to put the time in, and you got to be. There's not really much else you can do. There's and no half just, effort. It, eh? There's no half effort in this. No, there's not. <clears throat> there's not. And, and you, once you commit, you kind of really do have to be there the whole time. And so it was a lot, but it was a really good experience. I learned a lot from a lot of people. Um, there was different. You're, you're pulling in from different types of actors and different types of personalities, different. Um, just ways of seeing things. So it was really helpful that way and a really comfortable place to be for the first time of having to, of being on stage. I still remember the first night I completely forgot all my lines. First piece I had was about a model, little monologue about this, which is probably nine, ten lines. I remember the first three words and the last three words. I don't know what I said in the middle, but I was able to get from the first three, somehow got the last three out, and the girl I was working off of, one of the leads, picked it up, threw back at me, threw it back. So, but it was, I still can remember just, it was like cotton mouth and then the words came out and then that, it was, yeah. And then we went from, 
went from that. My friend Wilson got an agent, and we met one day for some beers and some food just over the local. And uh, he said, I'll hook you up. And I said, okay. And within three weeks of that, August of – it had to be April of – I want to say April, May of 2010. Yeah, so that was April or May of – maybe May of – maybe June 2010 because I was doing – I did Lake Placid Ironman in July of 2010. So I got my agent, and then I started working with him in August of 2010. Just a small, small little uh, guy um, took me on with no experience. I had nothing, um, and then it just went from there. And a lot of what I built up on was was on my own. It was, you know, a lot of research of defining out where where the student plays, where student films are, independence, and he's sending me out for non-union stuff. And you're looking at. You know, you could be walking in and there's 40, 50, 100 other people auditioning <clears throat> for anything of, you know, from for a lot of commercials. And then you got to go out and find your own stuff. And then, then there's websites out there and you just apply and you can either get an audition or you don't. And then I, I think for the first year, I probably worked almost every six, every six weeks I was working on a short film. So I built my resume up from pretty much nothing to a, within a year. I was going out for short films and 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 learning on set. There was you, you go out with some of these kids, and and they're nineteen, twenty year old kids at Humber and Ryerson, and you know maybe twenty, so maybe one or two are a little older, but they they don't know, and I don't know because it's my first day on set or first time on set. So you're learning as they go, and you become kind of the the adult. <laughs> and uh you know and, and 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 you learn as you go you listen and you pick up so it's a really good place to to learn is to be on a student set um and just to you know watch and, and learn and see because they're saying the lingo they're saying exactly the same lingo and they're doing exactly the same thing you would find as if you walked on a spielberg or lucas whatever yeah that you know um so those are the places that if you're starting out that's the best places to learn school's fine yeah but you know school doesn't get you ready for what it means to actually have to sit in a makeup chair for an hour or what it means to sit in makeup but then they've changed with the order now you've got to go just go sit and find something to do for four hours Amazing. And then they're going to call you, and within 10 minutes, you've got to be on set, and you've got to be doing, you know, the the dialogue that you've just spent hours and days learning. <clears throat> so to be on all that is, is you know, is a really good learning experience to, to know that. Well, and it's great, gonna... and also the auditions, getting out and auditioning is huge. I mean, I'd, I'd love if I could just go audition and say, well, I don't really want the role, but I'd like to just audition for you. Yeah, and have some experience. Yeah, it's because that's that's the hard that's the hard part is audition. It's um, it's nerve wracking. It, it 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 I've I've had moments where it just eats me. It just it, it gets all up into the the stomach and the diaphragm, and then all of a sudden you might as well just you're basically just well there it is, and and then sometimes you can go in and you've done it exactly how you want to do it, and you don't book the role. Other times you go in and you go, oh, that was just shit. 
and you get a call and you get a call back. And they're like, and they, that's perfect. <laughs> and you're like, what? You like what you did. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, that, you know, and then, and then it rolled from there and then. Isn't that a, I, that's a metaphor for life, isn't it? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then, it, um, then that agent actually, he closed up shop and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, found another one and then another agency came to me and then um they just uh, moved in with another one so now i'm with uh kind of a premier artist and they're about a mid-sized upper level agency so it's been really good that way so it's it's been um it's been an interesting seven years and i was doing all that for majority of it with a full-time job yeah so i was working um basically nine to five and doing all that at the same time, um, and I, I was lucky that I was able to do that through my through the work that where I was at Ernst and Young. But um, a lot of that just plays to the trust that you that I was given by my manager, knowing that if I had to go, then if I came back, the work would be done. Um, but it's also he wouldn't. There's not a lot of people that would allow that. So I got lucky yeah. that way. And then it just it just became. There was just a good timing in the last six months of just being able to take a step away from the nine to five and kind of concentrate on this a little bit more full time, which, you know, is hard to do because you're at the mercy of other people hiring you. Mm-hmm. But this in the last four or five months, there was a day I was at seven auditions in a week. I had three auditions in a day. If I was doing nine to five, I wouldn't have been able to go for any of those. And, when, and then if you can get going more, then there's more chance of booking. So, so you know, there's, it's, um, I love it. I, I, it's, it's funny. It took me, you know, like you said, 35 years to find, um, something that I'm absolutely love and I'm passionate about. Um, and it just was never, <laughs> never there growing up. It just, it, you know, it might have been. It's funny. Like, it could have been. It just wasn't seen. But it just, this um, this exercise we did at Landmark just opened up a blinder that was on to this to this thing, and I just love it. And the one thing about it is to know that you're actually good at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I watched you know? your demo reel. Yeah. I watched that Shepherd. That was yeah. intense. Yeah, that was a fun one to do. That was intense. So tell me about yeah. that one. That one came from actually one of my came about because of one of my first things I did was with a group up at Humber, and um, I played a German Nazi in that one, and I just became um, one of the producers that were on it. Like we just hit it off, and she really liked me and everything, and. Um, the guy that was going to direct it, we got to know each other and he liked me and they had this piece and they wanted to do it. So they offered it to me this like almost pretty much at the end of the three days, which is a nice feeling as well. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. And so that's that, you know, and then I still had to audition for it, but they were adamant. Their teacher didn't like that. They, they had to go back to the teacher and the teacher didn't said, no, he's not what you need. And they, they wanted me and they, they knew I would do it, so we went. They went with me, and it was um, it was a fun piece. It really was. It was the challenge was 
the challenge out of all of that for me was just the accent, um, the Southern American accent. Um, and then because you start, I do, and I think most actors do, we, we you'll question if it sounds legit at times. And you start to question yourself. Get in your own head. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember that a few times. And, and then you have that, especially when you're doing it really on your own and there's nobody else there and you're not going out to get a professional to show you exactly what it is. There's sometimes the Cajun sound can come through. The New Orleans, when you're trying to avoid that, you want more of the of the South, of the Texas drawl and stuff like that. But you don't want to overdo it. So you're sitting there, is it sounding? And then, yeah, that was the hardest part. The other stuff was... That was all easy. That was all easy stuff. Um, but that was a fun one, and it's it's one of my favorites. Is that one because it just was a. It's really in my wheelhouse of what I'm. Really capable of doing, uh, and it was fun. It was a fun set too. That was enjoyable too, working with Nancy and the the actress there. She was uh, really good to work with as well. So it makes it makes it a fun time. Amazing. But, yeah. And then um, you're doing the 100-hour film festival. Is that right now? Just No, we just did that about four weeks ago. And that was my fourth or fifth thing I've done with uh, a group called 416 Film. They were actually the first guys I ran into to do my first kind of short film. Um, <clears throat> that would have been six years ago. And that show, that one was called Psycho. The first one we did together was Psycho Susie, and that was a good laugh. And Psycho Susie! <laughs> Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And what we do is we do a lot of the, we'll get together and do these film festivals. And so this one, the last one we just did was a hundred hour. And what was different about this one was we usually do kind of silly-esque ones or ones that are a little bit more corny and get goofy and we get to kind of, <clears throat> but for some reason when I showed up after they, uh, Rob and Eric had been given the um, parameters for what we had to do, they had written this little darker um, script and, it actually had dialogue and was acting, and I was like, yeah, Mark, yeah let's go. Let's I don't go care. Like, me, that, that they were both worried about it. I'm like, I don't care. Let's just let's do something. So it, it was that one was a lot of fun, and it was we didn't get in the top 15, which we were hoping to, but I think because the subject matter is a little darker than what a lot of the people would put together for a film festival, like for a uh, film contest but it was one of those ones where it was uh yeah you just go out you got 100 hours to put together uh a five to eight minute film you've got three again they give you three criteria i think ours was it had to have a doll in it you had to shake hands and esp <laughs> yeah yeah so you see sometimes somehow you have to put in those three things um and then you go from there, and you've got 100 hours to submit it. And that's based and that, in Toronto? That one's, a, that one's a worldwide one, too. So there's people doing it from across Canada, the States, and over in Europe as well. Amazing. Yeah. Now, are you also writing? You wrote a book? Yes. Yeah, so I'm in the middle of... I didn't mean to sound so surprised. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I, I, I surprise, too, when I open it up and go... Uh, did I write this? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I just I wrote a a, a kids book um, about a 
little boy named Francis, and he meets a humpback whale named Dave. And the only way Francis can get across to Toronto or to Canada, he lives over in England, and he's got to get to Canada. And the only way he can do that is to pack his family up and drive on the back of Dave and his Dave's friends. So a bunch of adventures that happen across there. So I just, it was something I just started. I was home, Duncan, two years ago, and my sister was home from England with her, um, with my brother-in-law and the, the two kids. She's got a, a seven and three-year-old uh, boy. Yeah, uh, too cute. Um, and Francis were there, and I just started riffing on something about how did you get to Duncan and you know he goes well we flew it's the only way here I said we could have drive, driven how would we drive it's water and went from there and about nine months or so after that I think I said to Les I said you know what I think there might be something there and I just started writing and just completely out of what I'm used to again and just did it and wrote it up and um, so now that it's sitting there now it's you know and you can continuously go to it and change it and edit it and change it and edit it and so I've left it for a couple of months now and now the next thing is just to get it out and pitch it to um, uh, book editors and stuff like that just to see what happens and then if it doesn't go that doesn't work if no one picks it up then we'll um, look at self-producing oh man yeah Publish this thing. <laughs> yeah. Every editor out there, I want to read that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to walk so into a bookstore and see it featured. <laughs> I, I, it's just, yeah, it's, um, it felt very good writing it, especially when you're not someone that, like, I, I like after doing it, I, and that's, it's, I don't think it's more than a few thousand words or something. But then you sit down and you read some of the stuff that's just out, like the books I read, you know, Michael Connolly and, you know, stuff like that, Nelson DeMille and Stephen King and stuff. And you're just like, how do these guys, like, I, just, I just don't know how they're able to write this stuff. Like, it's just amazing. I read that Stephen King, after he wrote one of his books, I guess he might have been in a <clears throat> drug-induced state, he yeah. actually looked at the paper and went, did I just write that? And he had no recollection of writing it. <laughs> it sounds like some of my old history and English uh, papers. Because <laughs> I probably at some time was in a bit of a drunken stupor when I wrote them. But um, yeah, no, it, and it was the fun thing about this summer was I was able to, um, we were home again, and my sister was out with the kids, and so I was able to sit and read it um, to Francis. Uh, so we just sat down and read it out. So that was a, that was a lot of fun. Amazing. And then, you know, also when you read it, you can just, you get an idea too of what you've got to fix, especially when you're reading it to children. Cause that's the age group that it would be targeted to is yeah. uh, kind of the seven year old, five year olds where you can read it to them, but you also want them to kind of be able to start reading with it as well. And also uh, take we, something away from it. The yeah. idea of learning about the, lo the logic part in their mind, you're opening them up to, yeah. how did I get there? Yeah, well, the, the, yeah, exactly. And the biggest thing about it was um, he wasn't, he was afraid to, to be in the water. When my parents have a pool, they put a pool up every summer. And when we were home, he got, he was afraid of the water. 
And so a lot of that, the storyline of going across stemmed from him being afraid of the water and how do you make somebody feel brave about going in the water or give them a reason to. So that's a lot of that came from how do I tie that in? Like, cause you got, especially for kids books, you have to have a learning aspect to it. Yeah. There has to be a learning. They, they, that's what you read every, it's like there you have to have a learning aspect of what's the kid going to get out of this? What's the moral or what's the learned aspect of this? Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's, there's a couple, there's a couple in there, but one of the big ones was about swimming and just being able to be brave and, and be able to swim and, and stuff like that. Amazing. So that was where that kind of came from. Yeah. So what are you working on right now? Lots of auditions? Hashtag actor's life. <laughs> life. Uh, yeah, actually, I am. I've got um, I've got an audition tomorrow night, and they I was they saw my stuff online, and so they approached me. It's um, uh, independent short film, so it'll be um, it'll be some free work, which I I won't do unless I know it's really worth my time. The promo and, uh, aspect of it is huge. Yeah. Um, so that's this one I will do because I, I, I think it'll be worth my time. It'll be worth the, the effort that's put in. So that's tomorrow. That's your marketing budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, every day is pretty much just trying to I sit down every morning and see what comes up for auditions that are out there. Um, I try and find every day to work on certain uh, aspects of it of the acting what are you uh, looking for like what is something that would I, just grab you like or, you like intense roles comedy yeah independent you know, big, yeah, I mean, big budget it, superstar yeah well, <laughs> I, the bottom line is i just want to work okay i want to work enough more than enough that you know um even if in two years I had to go back to working nine to five or something, um, I can still say I, I, I did something. And I want to be a working actor. I don't, I don't have desires to be the top 5%. Because that's, you know, that, 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 that's a great dream. Mine aren't, mine are to be a working actor. God, don't tell, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Love, fuck. <laughs> But my right now bottom level off the, you know, is to be a working actor, is to be that guy you see pop up on Suits, that guy you see pop up on uh, CSI. And then a week later, I'm doing a commercial for Honda. But the thing about all that is you're being seen and you're working and it means you're making money. Um, and then Exposure. it also allows you at that time to do other things as well. It allows you to go and do the short films that might end up at Sundance. Might end up, I mean, working actor, and then to get into a feature that's going to be, um, you know, that's going to play the main stage at TIFF. And to get down to Sundance. Those, those would be a couple of very, three very cool things that if I could accomplish over the next two years would be where I'd want to be. And, um, you know, ideally I just, a, a role on a TV show that just, you know, uh, anything, if it's lead or if it's sixth or seventh player on it, 
that would be fine with me as well. But, you know, that's that's where I would I'd really want to be. And you're really making those things happen for yourself. Yeah. You're planting all those seeds to make sure that all those opportunities can come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's <clears throat> the hardest part about this. Really, if I think about it, it's not the work; it's the hustle you have to put in to self-market. Yeah, and to be um, and to be um, you know networking and stuff, and that's hard. It's hard at times where you just don't want to have to do it. It's like, but it it is it's the self marketing and it's it's also you, then you got to also watch how you self market yourself. You have to watch what you put out there on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram. You have to you have to be aware of okay if I've just started this, what's out there for? But what can come back to bite me? Yes. So you have to, you know, there was a a story I read and I was, I was doing this when I first got on Twitter. It was like, you you bitch and you moan about stuff. And then I read this article that uh, an actor didn't get a role on a commercial because they were down to three people, three actors and the casting and the, the um, client were going through and they decided to go through their Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And they actually had found that one of the actors had, um, basically trashed the product from years ago from years ago yeah and so they didn't get they didn't get hired because of that so you know that's that's one of a few but it's just one of those things that you know like you said if 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 you're looking at younger people listening and learning from stuff like that that's one thing just to be aware of especially in the entertainment world now you could also just say i don't give a shit yeah really do what i want to do and and that's more of the comedian side of the stand-up where you can get away with that but um it's just one piece of the puzzle to be aware of when you're making decisions for yourself and and that listen that goes for not just for the entertainment that goes for trying to get any jobs these days especially with uh lack of of opportunities out there and if if it comes down to what your facebook page is posted compared to what my facebook page is posted you know um it's it's interesting. I, I really do find it interesting sometimes what people are willing to post about themselves. And I think sometimes people don't think of what it can come back to bite them in the ass. And see, what's interesting for me is I have a day job. Yeah. I work for a large company, 400 people in Vancouver and then all over the world. And I was talking to them about doing this podcast yeah. and the conflicts of interest that could happen. So we talked about how can I connect with people that doesn't overlap with my job and my brain just went and I forgot what I was saying. (laughs) But just that idea of, so for example, last night I did an episode for myself of the show called um, How I Became Catherine O'Scara when I became the anthem singer with the pink hair and the blue hair and kind kind of a badass. And I was thinking about my LinkedIn profile and how... Even though on LinkedIn, if I had put, this is a personal venture and not related to my day job, here's a picture of me with pink hair and blah, blah, blah. That is not the image I want for my job. So even though there was nothing wrong with me doing it, I was like, well, actually, that's not who I am in my work world. So I had, I actually posted it and then I took it down and I'm like, if people are interested, 
like people from my LinkedIn do listen to my podcast. Absolutely. But I was like, wait a minute. And I pulled it back and made, it was like, you know what? That's more of a Facebook thing. Yeah. And then next time something comes across where, um, is a little closer to who I am in my day job, I'll throw that one on there. So it was just kind of a, a strategy of promoting myself, but in my day job, they don't need to know that I do that. <laughs> so it was just an interesting strategy for myself about who I want to be. And frankly, I work with all new people. I work right. with the new hires who are young co-op students and things like that. And I yeah. want to be seen as a professional. So it was an interesting strategy for me. So as soon as you said that, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So yeah. And the decisions we make for ourselves as actors, as people in the world and... Yeah, what I'm really hoping to do with this show is to get people thinking differently about themselves and opening their mind to go for it. Neil, you're an actor. Go for it. Like, make these things happen for yourself in an incredible way, and there are people cheering for you. Yeah, there is. And, you know, sometimes it is hard to allow them, allow the cheers in. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, let's go, good job. And I'm like going, yeah. You're biased. I'm supposed to say that. <laughs> but the thing is with her, she'll tell me if it's good or if it's bad. So yeah. I do appreciate it. But it, there is sometimes, yeah, and that's what I've had to learn. I've had to learn to allow myself to be gracious to the applause. Yeah. It's a strange thing. For, yeah, it's it's been a and that's been a hard thing, especially when you when you're someone that puts up a uh, a tough outer shell, um, is to take the uh, praise and and the you know that comes with that from others to say you know it was a really good job. That just but, means you're moral. <laughs> yeah, but also as an actor, I that you do need some feedback you do need it yeah you know that's we in a strange way you crave that but then at times you don't want it. it's it's a weird mind like it's it's a strange thing when you put yourself in there and, and you're dying for it and then you get it and it's like ah, i don't really want it right yeah. now thanks but um or you're just saying that but they're not yeah. they don't have yeah. to say that no they don't they don't at all. Although my mom and dad do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so my, mom, my mom doesn't watch too many of the things I've done. She, uh, they have a tendency to be a little bit more violent and aggressive. So my mom doesn't really watch them that much. She's waiting for me to do something a little bit softer. And Mainstream. Kinder, so. Told her she'll have a while to wait. <laughs> That's okay. You could do some animations and voice work too. That'd be awesome. Well, she liked the book, so that was a good thing. Good. Well, thank you for being on the show. It's Thank you. Amazing to see an example of someone making it happen for themselves. Yeah. And really understanding who they are and being themselves. Thank you for having me. It was it was a lot of fun. All right. It's amazing to see you and I wish you every positive, beautiful thing in your life. Also some hardships so that you can learn from them too. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but not it's too not many. many of those, though. One or two. <laughs> One or two every, like, five or six years. All right. Good luck in all the promotion and all the roles. And don't be afraid to show people that side of you. 
I appreciate that. All right. Thank you very much. Say hi okay. to Leslie for me, please. I will. All and, right. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Neil for being on the show. You can find him at neiljbennett.com. You can also find him on Twitter at neiljbennett. And he's got Facebook, LinkedIn, all those fun things. You can uh, I'll put up the links to his official website on my page. And uh, thanks to you for listening and being part of my dream come true. Bye.